For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back, folks, to the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. Today's episode, we will be hitting on our favorite headlines that surfaced after the New Year's New Year's Six Bowl games. All the big headlines and, and big games that came out of what was the college football playoff, as well as some other interesting matchups. We're also going to talk about our biggest money makers, guys that did really well, that maybe helped solidify their final piece of their resume, their final addition to their portfolio that is the 2020 season. Before we get into that, folks, I just want to talk to you very shortly about Bet Online. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. And with all of these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. I used to be the guy that my friends would text me. They would ask me for my my input on certain games, and I was never the one putting the bets down. And I have made my friends so much money over the past year. Don't be like me. Be like me right now. Actually go and bet on these games if you have a, you know, a feeling that something is going to happen. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So quickly, folks, I just want to touch on, we talked about doing a mock draft. We're actually going to wait to do that on the following show. So stay tuned for that. That is going to be coming out. We are going to be doing a mock draft with all of the picks that are officially locked in. Again, that is going to be our next show. But today we wanted to talk about all these games that happened, the the big important bowl games, the college football playoff. We didn't want to skip over any of that stuff, which is why we decided to transition our focus for this episode. And we want to open up by just pitching some headlines that came out of this weekend because there's so many different things that were going on. You've got head coaches getting fired. You've got Steve Sarkeesian going to Texas. And we're not even going to get to all that stuff. But everything that happened this weekend, we have to acknowledge and talk about it. Ryan, let's hear what you have to say first. What is the headline from this weekend, from the holiday, that you want to talk about the most right now? Well, I, I think the quarterback position is one that I am finding really fascinating in the 2021 NFL draft, and it is a very strong class because we're going to continue to talk about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. We're going to continue to talk about those guys because their play has warranted that type of conversation and that type of valuation for what type of players they are. But we are seeing this, and this this conversation could change if Carson Strong ends up opting to declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. But as of now, my assumption and what I'm hearing 
is that he is probably going to go back to school. So I'm looking at those top four quarterbacks who I would be, I'd be very happy with somewhere in the first round, top half of the first round, top 16 picks. I feel like all those players warrant that type of evaluation with the talent that they bring to the game. But everyone is just clamoring for the next guy. They want to find the next guy. They want to see who that quarterback five is because there's just this assumption out there that five to six quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the first round. So then you get into names like Kyle Trask, who has been a darling of the season because he's thrown 40 touchdowns. You know, people have been throwing his name out there. A Joe Burrow type rise could be a first round pick. Well, we saw him come back to reality a little bit this past weekend. We saw against an Oklahoma team who has an improved defense and still not an amazing defense. Kyle Trask struggled, and he had some struggles because Kadarius Toney didn't play, Trayvon Grimes didn't play, Kyle Pitts didn't play. They all opted out. But the the inconsistencies that he showed in this game had nothing to do with his wide receivers for the most part. There were five drops. You can put those on the wide receivers, but a couple of those interceptions, man. That first interception late to the outs, throwing outside the numbers, you see the ball flutter. That interception in the end zone, you see him underthrow that ball. There is a limitation on this guy because he just does not have arm strength or arm talent that warrants him being in that conversation. Mac Jones is another from Alabama. They want to keep talking about him, man, because he's had a great season. He absolutely has. If you're talking about just a college quarterback, Mac Jones is really good. But he is going to measure in probably below 6'2". He's not going to test well because he's not a great athlete. He is literally a West Coast in-structure quarterback, which is fine. But not athletic, not big, an average arm, maybe slightly above average. Like, it's fine, but it's not great. You're going to draft that guy in the first round? I'm just, I can't get my head around that one. And then Desmond Ritter seems to be the guy now over the last couple weeks. Oh, he has all the tools in the world. He has all the tools in the world, which he does. He's six foot three. He's athletic. He has a strong arm. But man, every week, and even this past week, despite some people that will probably clamor for him that he had this great game against Georgia, which he didn't in actuality, he is just so up and down. He is so volatile right now. He makes some throws that keep you coming back to the film. But at the end of the day, man, it's too streaky. It's too up and down. He's not a first-round option. So for me, the people need to stop trying to make things outside of these potential top four quarterbacks that aren't there. Is there developmental potential? Guys like Ritter, even like Kellen Mont? Yes, there absolutely is. Is there some players in the right situation, a Kyle Trask, a Mac Jones, that maybe could be successful? Yes. But that does not make them in that conversation to go in the first round. This quarterback class for me, huge drop off after quarterback four as long as Carson Strong does not come out. And I am just all the way out on these guys being thrown in the first round conversation. I just cannot get my head around it. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. You're talking about Kyle Trask, who you talked about just this past week. Let's talk about the last three games that he's played. He's really he's really seemed to come down to earth. Mac Jones, incredible year, like you said, but he's just a testament to the weapons. Maybe a team like San Francisco can get the best out of him, Kyle Shanahan in that offense, but I still don't see him as a from a talent perspective as a first-round guy. And Desmond Ritter, that defense is what kept him in that game. The defense played a great, great game against Georgia. Desmond Ritter, super inconsistent. He was missing the easy stuff. He made some good plays out of structure, but I don't think he showed you enough uh, to to warrant a first-round pick. I see him, and we talked about this before the show, him and Kellen Mond are much of the same. 
They're, they're quarterbacks that have, we talked about this earlier in the year as well. They're quarterbacks that are inconsistent with all the tools. That's someone I don't want to spend a first round pick on. That's someone I want to spend a third or fourth round pick on and hope I can develop over the next couple of years. So I'm, I'm with you. There's a huge drop off after quarterback four. Um, I, I, the quarterback, the top four quarterbacks are some of the best four quarterbacks at the top of a draft we've seen in a while. And that's where you get this, this thought that this is a great quarterback class, but there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of varying opinions after those four for sure. Uh, and I'm going to be out on them as well. I'm with you, Ryan. Right. I, I think that all feeds in perfectly to what I wanted to bring up. I wanted to talk specifically about Kyle Trask. And the one thing we need to establish this first, the one thing that we always talk about on this show is you can't form your opinion based off of one game. So that's understandable. Where I'm not, this take is not coming from, I'm down on Kyle Trask because of the way that he played against Oklahoma. But when you have a lot of inconsistent play and then you have a performance like he has in a very important game, what's expected to be his last game before heading to the NFL, for him to only throw for 158 yards and three interceptions, to throw picks in important spots, I think that that is the epitomization of what Kyle Trask is probably going to be at the next level. I I, I don't know why, and, and this is exactly what you're talking about, Ryan, why would you be willing to put your job on the line as a general manager or a head coach and go grab a guy like that. Sure, he can come in and, and, and maybe he'll be somewhat consistent and uh, you know average to a little bit below average, but you're not really getting much out of him further than that. I don't, I don't think we need to talk about the ceiling here. I don't understand what else you can turn him into. We, we see all these other players that are fantastic physical freaks, you know, like Trevor Lawrence is a great athlete. Justin Fields is a great athlete. Trey Lance is getting the hype that he has because he's a fantastic athlete that is still figuring out the position. And on, and on top of that, Zach Wilson, still a very good athlete. And all of them have arm talent that can be developed and can be worked into possibly becoming a strong starting NFL quarterback. But Kyle Trask and even Mac Jones, I think, comes into this conversation. You're getting what you're getting, and there's not much more you can go from there. Why in the modern NFL am I pigeonholing my offense for two guys that aren't going to become much more than they are right now? I, I think people just don't understand and realize we're trying to project. We're not trying to find guys that are going to play right now and be good right away. It's the same reason why people get pissed off when their second-year quarterback is doing poorly. And I've, I've done that too with Daniel Jones, but you need to give the kids some damn time to develop. Yeah, and I will say this, Joe, before I go into a, a semi-rant, opinionization, that's a great word, man. Very impressed. Very <laughs> Thank impressed you. you. Thank you, you Ryan. Some, you, did, you did some good work there. I will say, talking to David Turner, who, again, spent 18 years in the NFL, he talked to some of his buddies over the last couple of days to make sure he wasn't too high, quote-unquote, on Kyle Trask, and he said that they came back with, hey, we have a second-round grades on this guy, which means he's probably going at least in the late first rounds. So Kyle Trask in the first round has – it has fire to it. There's smoke to this fire a little bit. I think it's not warranted in any way. And I threw this out there and I, I some people are going to be like, dude, that's not like that doesn't matter or whatever. But the reason that Kyle Tresk is such a great story is one, didn't start in high school for the most part because he sat behind Derek King. And then he comes to Florida. He doesn't play a bunch until his fourth year on, on campus. So he hadn't played for like six, seven years, right? Hadn't started a football game. He kept getting passed up. And my response to that is, there's a reason that happens. I know that people, some people are going to really push back on that. But why is that guy sit behind De'Ara King? 
who's a middling quarterback prospect, below average quarterback prospect, that'll probably have to find a different position. Why did he sit behind him? Why, when Florida didn't have good quarterback play, did this guy not get an opportunity to his fourth year on campus? There's a reason that that did not happen. Oh, I completely agree with you. It's the physical traits with Kyle Trask that are that are so worrisome. He, he can't push the ball downfield, and in the NFL, if you can't threaten more than 15 yards downfield, there's a lot of defenses that are going to be able to bottle up that offense. So that's the that's the concern that we have with Kyle Trask. I was really high on Kyle Trask coming into the season, and we talked about this quite a bit going into the season because I saw the the traits that he could be a good quarterback in college football and could push for first-round consideration, though he had a very inconsistent year last year. I just saw some things on tape that if – playing more consistent if if done more consistently could be a first round prospect uh when it's all said and done but it's it's gotten out of hand he, i don't think he's a first round prospect mm-hmm. from a physical skill point skill set standpoint i think he's just a middling guy that's going to be a backup in the nfl because he does have good touch he does have good plays with you know good touch and and uh and accuracy to the short and intermediate areas of the field that's a backup quarterback in the nfl you you need to have athleticism nowadays doesn't have that He's a very lumbering athlete, and you got to be able to you got to be able to stretch out the defense on the back end, and he can't do that. There's there's no deep passing to his game. He just doesn't have the arm strength to to threaten that that part of the field. And I think the one thing is like for whatever reason, if you bring up these points, you're a Kyle Trask hater. I don't consider myself a Kyle Trask hater. I think I like him more than the majority of draft Twitter now. I would be comfortable with him somewhere on day two. I would right. be because I think that there is enough for him to find a role, find a niche. I compared him to Nick Foles, and a lot of that was like stylistically, right? right? I don't think they have great arms. They're kind of lumbering. But Nick Foles has carved out a nice niche. And so why is that a big, like, oh, my God, Nick Foles. Nick mm-hmm. Foles has been kind of a journeyman to a degree. Well, okay, but he's still carved out a really nice niche comparative to what his skill set is. So. And, and Nick Foles – I would I would argue he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and I, I think that's ever the, maybe yeah. ever yeah ever. <laughs> the the key thing here before we we get uh, your headline here, Alex, uh, just want to touch on that before we end up talking about these money makers. But the problem is 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 you're right, Ryan. If if you are realistic about somebody, that makes you a hater. I think honestly, maybe folks, we should be more negative towards those that are overly optimistic. <laughs> and unrealistic about guys. Um, no, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that if we're being realistic here, and I don't do evaluations and reports like you guys do, but just seeing the guy play, for him to become a, a really good NFL backup, like a really, really high-end NFL backup, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I no, don't there's, think there's value there. With that. I don't think you should be... Abs- yeah, there's a ton of value there, and I don't think you should be pissed off. If you have a quarterback who's 28 to 32 maybe he's got some injury problems why why would you not take a day two flyer on a kid like that that you don't need him to start the full season you're not bringing him in to replace that quarterback but you're bringing him in to sit behind him learn a little bit and then when that injury prone quarterback has issues like Matthew Stafford has has been had some issues staying healthy like I think that's a like a good example off the top of my head over the past couple of years, he hasn't been entirely healthy for a full season. He's been in and out of the lineup in some cases. So maybe a place like Detroit would make some good sense for him that if Stafford's unavailable, they have gotten killed because they have bad backup quarterback play. A guy like Trask, who could be a very good backup, could step in and do a fantastic job. So, Alex, what's your uh, what's your headline here? And this, again, we coincidentally managed to make this so well, quarterback-oriented, but who no, doesn't want to talk about I was, I was about to make that point. You know, we're t- we talk a lot – about the quarterback prospects on this show, but 
it's it's just because of how important, how impactful that position is. You have to get it right. So these conversations are had to be had about this position group, especially in a draft class like this one where there's so many different flavors or so many different styles of quarterback. But for me, I'm I I'm so infatuated with this Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence rivalry. And, and I compare it to to the NBA's Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird rivalry that we saw for over a decade in the NBA. Coming out of high school, these guys were number one, number two overall recruits. Not just quarterbacks, number one, number two overall. Trevor Lawrence having the edge there. Go to Elite 11 camp, and Justin Fields squeaks out MVP award there. So Justin Fields gets the the hit there. Early on in their college career, Trevor Lawrence obviously going to Clemson. Justin Fields going to Georgia. Justin Fields doesn't get to play that freshman year. Trevor Lawrence gets the head start, goes on, wins the national championship. And Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence met up the very next season. Trevor Lawrence getting the edge again. It looked like Trevor Lawrence was going to run away with this, you know, the the edge in this rivalry. And Justin Fields this weekend uh, with the big, big, big statement game uh, to send Trevor Lawrence out of college football and into the draft cycle. This this back and forth, these two talented quarterbacks. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is the better prospect. I'm not going to argue that, but Justin Fields is a very, very good prospect as well. And this storyline between the two is just so much fun to watch. And it's going to continue to be a storyline through the NFL draft process and forever. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston still today are talked about as you know, talking about how their NFL careers have panned out to this point. And that's how Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are going to be talked about for the next 10, 15 years. We're always going to have these two names side by side and comparing and contrasting how things panned out for each of them. And it's just so fun to watch, especially since they, God, they've been at the top since their what junior sophomore junior years of high school, growing up about 45 minutes away from each other, just right down the road from me, both of them. These two have been a storyline for what's going on five years now, and it's just going to continue to be a storyline for the next 15. It's just a really, really fun rivalry to to keep your eye on. And I hope it's better than, uh, you know, you mentioned like usually the, t- the quarterbacks that are kind of, you know, yeah, I hope it's together and attached <laughs> Mario to and Winston. <laughs> like, Jameis, Mar- Mario and Winston both didn't turn out. I think it was like <laughs> Pey- Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Like one, that one usually was good. fails at worst, you know. So hopefully it's a little better of a uh, conversation down the line, you know. If only, if only the second team picking was also an AFC South team. Like that would make it so much better. Oh, I'd love to see these two face the off twice division. a year, every year. Oh. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> but sadly, we cannot be granted that amazing opportunity. We'll still see them. We'll still see them face off guys let's talk about some money makers some guys that had fantastic performances and why don't I lead us in and continue the conversation that we're already having about Justin Fields for me big money maker Justin Fields already establishing here we've already talked about not going to drastically change our opinion after one game but we already as the previous show dictated we talked about being a little worried in Justin Fields's ability to step up in very important games he does more than just step up against Clemson he came and rose to the occasion He dominated. A big reason why they were so successful was because of the plays that he was making. And a a lot of the throws, those are NFL throws. That is a quality of uh, as good of a game as you want to prove your doubters wrong. Now, I'm not in the boat, and I don't think any of us are in the boat, that just from that one game, you're going to bump him over Trevor Lawrence. No, we're not going to do that here. But I think that that performance itself is enough to maybe quiet some of that speculation and some of those negative opinions that were coming out about him. The last thing also that for me was important that's also underrated he gets absolutely popped at that one controversial play and we're not going to talk about if that was targeting or not 
But he was clearly in pain, and for him to come back in and play the rest of that game still at a high level, I think is a testament to his toughness. That's what I like to see from a quarterback. Those are intangibles to me. It's like, how can you handle a situation like that where you get completely nailed if it was his hip or his back where specifically, and he was able to finish that game out? That's That to me is fantastic. Exactly what you want from your, your leader uh, quarterback and a guy that you're going to eventually be drafting probably second overall. Yeah. And I, I mean, I never questioned Justin Fields toughness like that was always just kind of like, you know, he had worked, he worked through that injury the latter stages of the year last year. Like I had no question about his toughness. It is significant though. And I see a lot of people with, you know, the overreactions again during the game, like there always will be. If Justin Fields went into the game as your second ranked quarterback, if you had your third ranked quarterback, I don't think he changes that narrative too much. Like one game should not completely alter your opinion on him. But what it does for you is it makes you more confident in how you feel about him. Like me, like I have been mocking him second overall the entire season because I think that's where he's going to go. And I'm still confident that he will. Now he's my third ranked quarterback because I value Trey Lance and the potential that he has because I'm allowed to take a little more gambles than some people would. But I have no problem with Justin Fields being number two quarterback. And I think that that really verifies it in your mind because we had talked about against Northwestern. He didn't have his best game against Indiana. The two best teams that he played at to that point, he was not his best game. Now he plays an even better team and he has a dominant performance. And I feel like that really, it's like the thing, like you go to the combine and you think somebody's fast and they run a fast forward. It's verifying what your eyes saw and it's verifying the way. That no, I completely agree with you. I think what we said last week, there was reason to be concerned about Justin Fields to that point last week when we when we had this conversation. And we we also said that this Clemson game was going to be very, very important for his evaluation. He, he handling the adversity, all the the talk are they the 11th best team in the nation, according to Dabo Sweeney, got to throw that in there. But <laughs> you know, he, he, there's all this adversary, all this bulletin board material and how he handled that. Uh, you know, there's all these reports about how locked in Fields was that he has never prepared so much for a game. And that just sh- goes to show you talk about the toughness on the uh, on the field, but just that mental preparation uh, the, the last week or two is is extraordinary. And he came in, he lit it up. The one interception that he threw that looks like the really the only bad play on the on the day was a tip pass that I'm assuming was a was a trying to throw it away out of the back of the end zone Justin Fields was locked in this game and he maybe he we don't know the New York Jets situation their front office situation on these quarterbacks but he could have just made himself number four overall pick money to number two overall pick money Uh, you don't know how 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 it's going to end up shaking out but I believe Justin Fields will be the second overall pick I don't think that necessarily this game is reason to believe that that is why but I think over the cross of the the whole body of work and then getting that verification that this guy's legit in a big time game he showed up for the big time game which is the biggest question mark on fields to this point I think he I think he's a number two overall pick I love both of your guys's picks as well Ryan can you hit us with yours who is such a talented defensive lineman whose name went a little quiet recently but we really saw what he could do this past game yeah, yeah, and I, I was a little in between on whether to include Devonta Smith because obviously he had a great game for Alabama as well, and he's quieting a lot, quieting a lot of the doubts that I had on him. You know, trying to really ascend past those that that size profile he has. But I picked Christian Barmore for Alabama because this interior defensive line class is not great right now. There's not a lot of players where you look at and say that guy is a bona fide first round pick. And quietly, there's like this this aura around Christian Barmore that he's had this below average season. He hasn't had a good season. He's been up and down. 
But honestly, he started out slow because he was dealing with an injury. He comes back and he has an opportunity to work himself into playing shape. And he ends up having a really strong season, including, I think, eight sacks now from the interior position. And at six foot five, 320 pounds, he's a very gifted athlete, a guy that I like a ton. And I, I haven't seen Davion Nixon from Iowa, who's the guy that's kind of getting talked about as maybe the first interior defensive lineman off the board. I haven't seen him yet. So for me, when I'm looking at Christian Barmore and the ascension that he has made, especially against Notre Dame, against a good interior defensive line, he was active, five tackles, a sack, but a whole lot more active than that box score would indicate. For me, I'm watching now a Christian Barmore and saying, he's got to be interior defensive lineman one, until I finally watch Davion Nixon. That might change my opinion. But for me, like, it was Marvin Wilson or is it Christian Barmore? Well, Marvin Wilson's been downhill. Christian Barmore has quietly had a really solid season. I think that the upside of Barmore is illustrated in this football game, and it, gets, it still gets me really excited because I think when he puts it all together, this could be a top 15 player in the class. Now, I'm not saying that he will be this year, but I think that that talent level definitely warrants that consideration. No, I completely agree. The quick wins is what makes Barmore so impressive, that, and that's what that's what sticks at the next level. Those that ability to get off and get that first move to hit, and that's what he he did in this game. That's what he's done over the last last half of the season. He had a quiet start to the season, as Joe alluded to, but he has really turned on, uh, turned it up in the last the last half of the year. And I I've been on record to say I don't know if there's a interior defensive lineman that ends with a first round grade for me, but Barmore could push for that. I'm excited to get to his tape. I, I was really impressed with him. Me and Ryan were both high on him going into this year, looking at him as the 1A, 1B with uh, Marvin Wilson, who was severely disappointed this year. But uh, but Christian Barmore, man, he 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 turned it up, and he's he's someone to, to look out for as a potential late-round uh, impact player in the first round, a late first-round player that can make an impact. Sorry, I didn't want to say late-round. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that, that jumping of the words has. Much yeah, I know. It's it's like the comma thing. Yeah, we gotta be, <laughs> we gotta be careful there. We gotta be careful there. No, but I, I really like the Christian Barmore pick because I saw him completely disrupt Notre Dame's offense, facing against a group that is supposed to be pretty strong. Aaron Banks um, and to, uh, Tommy Kramer. I mean, like I I I was disappointed by their overall performance. I didn't really have high expectations. Um, for the you know that center spot for Notre Dame, but just overall they they were clearly struggling to handle him. They were sur- clearly having issues trying to contain him, and maybe he didn't rack up the n- amount of stats that would indicate he was a big money maker. But just seeing the disruption that he was causing is really what you want from a top level defensive tackle. So Alex, let's wrap ourselves up here. Who's your guy and why? Yeah, did you, the, pick him? you know we talked about the playoff games a little bit with the first two guys. Let's talk about the first game of the day: uh, Georgia, Cincinnati. Aziz Ojolari, he just seemingly took over that game and and it uh, he was a a little bit of that what we talk about the the instant reaction the live reaction everyone's calling him edge one immediately um and he he very well might be but as a three four outside linebacker there's a lot to like here hand usage quickness burst bend he showed it all in this game he had three sacks and he seemingly kind of took over uh in parts of that game and had the the finishing sack that led to a sa- that was a safety at the very end of the game and Cincinnati's last chance to try to score there. Ojalari, man, he's got a lot of juice. He appears very polished. He has a great frame, super long athlete. I think he, he'll be my number one rated 3-4 outside linebacker. I can pretty much tell you for sure. 
you know, people put that edge class together, the 4-3 defensive ends, 3-4 outside linebackers together. I don't know where he'll finish there for me, but Ojolari is someone I've been high on since the summer. I saw it uh, in his 2019 tape in a rotational role, knowing that he was going to be in a more prominent role for Kirby Smart's defense. And, man, he is really, week in and week out, been a disruptor. And this week he just really made that German look bad, that what that six foot nine Lorenz Mets. I, I, I feel so <laughs> bad for the Lorenz Mets because they actually have a pretty good left tackle in James Hudson that got targeting yeah. early with that targeting call. And then Lorenz Metz comes in sophomore from Germany and Aziz Ojolari took him to the woodshed, <laughs> man. I was like, oh my Lord. Felt so bad for him. But I would agree. <laughs> I think like – you're going to yeah. have to separate these guys, right? There's three, four outside linebackers, rush backers, and there's four, three defensive ends in right. the edge class. For a for a team that runs a lot of odd man fronts, Aziz Ozolari could very well be the first pass rusher off the board because he has really put it together this year, man. And only as a redshirt sophomore, the sky is truly the limit for this type of player. And he has hands, great bends. Like there is so much to like about him, and for the right team, it's going to come down to fit on who comes, who comes um, off the board first. But he has every indication that he could very well be that player. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect note to wrap ourselves up on, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Skillstrap, at Rise and Draft, and at NFL Prospects Pod on twitter also follow believe podcast at b-l-e-a-v podcast on twitter and instagram and head to believe.com for more fantastic content hundreds of shows on any topic that you can find lastly if you enjoy the show hit that subscribe button drop us a review just so you can help the show out and give us some positive feedback we'll talk to you next week folks enjoy the rest of your day Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.